and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And today we're going to be talking about eyelets. Eyelet stitches are lovely. Yes. So generally speaking, what eyelets are, are all of the holes that are in your knitting that you mean to be there. They're completely on purpose, <laughs> very much differentiated from the surprise holes that sometimes are in your knitting. Right. Whether that's a weirdly picked up stitch that you didn't mean to create at some point, or a hole from a dropped stitch, or some other funky thing, a gap at the join of your armpit. I used to get inexplicable holes in my knitting when I was fairly new at this, like not super new, but new to doing projects that weren't rectangles because I would pick up my knitting and start in a different direction. And so I'd be like knitting across the row and I'd put it down and I'd pick it up and I'd purl back and it would just end up with that little gap there. And I could never figure out why it did that until somebody said something in passing like years later. You did like an unpolished short row. That's right. Yes. Accidental short row, not quite as good as real short row. But a row nonetheless. <laughs> a row nonetheless. We call it a design feature. Anyway, eyelets, also design features, but like actual intentional design features. Mm -hmm. So usually in order to create one, what you do is you on purpose make a hole in your knitting and then either eyelet is part of an increase in the number of stitches altogether, or you will intentionally make a decrease later in that row so that the number of stitches stays the same. Yes. Eyelets are created through a yarn over which is the process of bringing your working yarn to, say, you're knitting across a row, you bring your working yarn to the front of your work and will wrap that strand of yarn over the top of your needle to create a loop, and that's your extra stitch. So that's the structure of the hole that you're creating. And then you follow that by some sort of decrease, either a knit two together or a purl two together, whatever your pattern tells you, but that kind of cinches that up so it doesn't become an unruly gap as you continue working. Technically speaking, I did not know this. No matter how many years I've been knitting, it didn't occur to me to think about like the technical features of an eyelet. It was just something that I had knit by following instructions. But technically speaking, eyelets have a minimum of two stitches between each yarn over which is one of the things that differentiates it from lace knitting. Oh. Yeah, like news to me. So eyelets can huh. be part of lace knitting, but on its own, the creation of eyelets is not technically lace. If you're a knitting nerd and you want to know the technical details. I mean, yes, yes, we do. But yeah. also, huh. Yeah, right? Like who knew? So it's the two stitches between them versus lace knitting, which has one stitch in between open work. Like this is very, very specific. And I was shocked. <laughs> so I, you know, sometimes we just chat about things that we know, but I was like, there's got to be some like historical tidbit here to share with people. Or maybe there is an actual record of the first identified intentional eyelet stitch in a piece of knitting. None of that was something I could find. Right. But the actual construction of eyelets and what differentiates it from other lace was something I got to explore. And it was like, oh, who knew? Now I kind of want someone to create, you know how in not your little pocket dictionary, but in like the OED, it will have like the first known use of a word. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to make like a knit. It may exist. 
I might be wishing for something and someone's going to send me an email that's like, um, maybe do your reading, Karen, because <laughs> it's very possible. But somebody to create like an archaeological knitting dictionary that would be like the first time we found a scrap of fabric in a bog that did this. Right. Probably mostly not in a bog, I would imagine. Probably mostly in people's trunks and attics and things. But like if they could date, that would be really cool. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting. Lots of history, lots of very specific things go into our knitting <laughs> that we never even think about. Right. Because you kind of don't have to to be able to do it. But if you dig a little bit, it's fascinating. Well, and it's always so interesting to think about somebody inventing these techniques. The knit stitch. Who, who, who right? figured that one out? Like if we just make a bunch of holes in a piece of string forever, they somehow don't unravel. That doesn't make sense, but it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and aren't we all lucky that it does? <laughs> right. And then so usually between your rows of eyelets, to distinguish from lace and also just to be structurally sound, you're usually going to have a row of either knit or pearl, you know, garter or stockinette, plain knitting that just kind of helps keep everything from unraveling. It gets all those little holes in the string to be functional. They have more structure. That's one of the other things that differentiates eyelets in your fabric from proper lace knitting. There is clearly a front and back side when you're just knitting eyelets into your fabric. Whereas like lace knitting, technically speaking, has all of those stitches, like the lace work is worked on the front and back of the fabric so that there's not a right or wrong side to it, uh -huh. which is also super interesting. Yeah. If you're working a pattern that has eyelets and say it's in the yoke of a sweater and you're knitting in the round, you will knit your eyelet row and maybe you're knitting, you just keep knitting in between to like create some space between the next eyelet rows. But if it were lace in your yoke, it would be lace work on every row. And that would be true, I guess, whether it's flat or in the round. Hmm. Yeah, but every single row in lace knitting, proper technical real lace knitting, has <laughs> interesting stuff going on in every single row. There's no like autopilot happening for you. I feel like, I don't know, especially right now, I really need a little bit of autopilot. I need like my brain needs to reset in between. For sure. And like generally speaking, I'm not a big lace knitter. I appreciate lace. I think it's beautiful. And some of it's very intricate. It's an exceptional skill, but it's not a lot of my personal knitting practice. So finding this information out was like eye-opening for me. Okay, so you have kind of like other kinds of increases and decreases. They can lean left or right. Yes. Right? How do you, with an eyelet, how do you do that? Other fun things I learned, because <laughs> I've definitely done this and not really thought about why it was written a specific way. So the placement of your decrease in relation to the yarn over determines the direction that those stitches are going to lean. So to keep your stitch count consistent, say we're knitting a scarf and it's X number of stitches wide, we don't want it to turn into Y number of stitches wide, right? So for every yarn over, there's a corresponding decrease. If you place your decrease before the yarn over, your stitches will lean right. If you create your yarn over and then knit your decrease, your stitches will lean left. So when you're seeing things like, I don't know, a diamond pattern where the edges of the diamond are created by eyelets, you're going to do those in opposite directions in the same row so that the stitches are leaning a particular way to give that diamond a shape. 
and not like just leaning diagonal stripes. And that makes sense because if you think about like your knit fabric as a whole, all of those stitches are kind of locked into a grid on some Mm -hmm. level. And so if you're doing a decrease in order to make the hole, the stitches are going to get pulled to kind of fill that hole like by the next row. Mm -hmm. And so just help you. I always have a hard time with remembering what way like things lean. I do it and I go, oh, that wasn't right. And then I do it the other way. Right. So that might be a way to help you think about it is that wherever you've made the hole, that's the direction the stitches are going to need to go toward. I, I'm like I making, wish you all what? could see what Karen's doing. There's I'm, lots of hand waving. and I'm like making big airplane arms. With yes. Hands. Yeah, yeah. She is becoming like the Y in the YMCA <laughs> dance. It's This is why we don't do a YouTubes. I mean, or maybe why we should. What is happening in here? I feel like, oh, Jessica, you put up with a lot. What about new knitters? Like, why would new knitters want to play around with this technique other than it just looking neat? Skill building. We're all always skill building. And one of the things I really like about eyelets is that it's like big bang for your buck here. Like, you get a fun, interesting, decorative component to your knit fabric that is not very complicated. It's a good way for you to learn about yarn overs if you've never made a yarn over before. Easy peasy, you're going to be impressed at how low effort the skill is. And (laughs) it's a good way for you to practice decreases too, if that's new to your skill set. Whether you're following instructions that call for an SSK, which is your slip slip knit two together, or a K2 tog, which is also (laughs) knit two together, just you're making your, your decreases lean in different directions. This is a fun way for you to experiment with that. Like you could pop eyelets into any pattern just to practice or just to add some airiness to it. Well, and I would say particularly with a shawl, it's not just big bang for your buck on what it looks like. It's also low risk because let's say you do it wrong. Oh no, you did it wrong. Your eyelet is one stitch over from where it should be, or it's leaning the wrong way or whatever. Sure, maybe the first picture you take of it, you're going to be like, oh no, it's in the wrong place. But then every time you wear it, you're just scrunching it up around your neck anyway, and literally no one will ever notice. So like, who cares if you did it once out of 4,000 times in a shawl? Mm-hmm, definitely. It's a good way to tamp down your type A personality traits <laughs> if you're learning new things. Like, it's okay that that eyelet is there in whatever way that it exists. Nobody is going to nitpick your eyelet stitch. No. And actually, like we see this on Instagram a lot. And part of our job is reading knitting. People come in and they have a project and they're like, something's not right. And we have to identify what's not right about it. Jessica and I have a more critical eye toward hand knits than a lot of people because it's part of our job. And sometimes you'll see on Instagram, someone will post, oh, I see this mistake. I misplaced this thing like 10 rows ago and I'm going to rip it back. And at least me, I'll often be looking at it and I'll be like, You misplaced what? Like, it'll take me time to see it, which means no one is ever going to see it. No one's ever going to see it in the wild. And if they do, they're not nice. Oh, yeah. I say this all the time. Anyone who's not a knitter can't see that there's a mistake there. And anyone who is a knitter would never dare say that there's a mistake in your knitting. Right. Unless they're a bad knitter. (laughs) And I don't mean they have bad habits. I mean, they have no manners. (laughs) Right, right. They're committing a social faux pas by saying drasty and rude. (laughs) (laughs) So what can eyelets do for your project? What effect can they have? Oh, all sorts of fun things. 
So in addition to being like your warm-up skill set for diving into more complex lace at some point in your knitting career, if you're so interested, they can do like fun little things in projects that you are endeavoring to knit. For example, decorative edges. And by the way, we're about to give you a whole bunch of pattern recommendations, and there's definitely one that has some decorative edge work in it. Another thing that eyelets provide is lofty, airy lightness to your fabric which is excellent for warm weather knits. And (laughs) for many of you, you are in a place that's experiencing warm weather right now. Like Northern Hemisphere people. Okay, what else? Buttonholes. Awesome. There are probably a billion ways to make buttonholes in your knits. I mean, maybe not a billion. That's a lot of ways. Like three. But maybe more than three. (laughs) And definitely on the list of ways to make buttonholes is an eyelet. Some patterns will call for it specifically, like that is the technique the designer writes into the pattern. Sometimes they will tell you some other thing and you're like, meh, not doing that. (laughs) And you decide to make eyelet buttonholes instead. You can adjust the size of your buttonholes based on how big your buttons are going to be for this project by adding additional wraps to your eyelet. Uh Oh. So... This is all very like gauge dependent, you know, are you knitting a sweater in super bulky yarn or fingering weight yarn? Knitter confession time. I have actually never knit a buttonhole. So let me just see if I really, really, when I knit cardigans, I just knit open cardigans. So let, let me just think through this in real time and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sure. So let's say you wanted to make a buttonhole eyelet. And you look at your button and you're like, I don't know, like four stitches, right? I think I need about four stitches that'll be big enough to get over my button, but small enough that it won't just spontaneously go back over my button. So you would like knit four together, let's say, and then do like a four yarn over wrap yarn over. Not quite. Okay. So, and like I said, this is all gauge dependent. And I will say that the best way to do this, if you're not certain of how much extra wrap you'll need, is to work one of these eyelet buttonholes in your swatch. Uh Oh. But I find in my experience, it's a little bit dependent on the construction of your button band. So is it a ribbed button band or is it just a garter worked front of your sweater and you're working it into the garter stitches like you need to play around with this a little bit but if you think about the way that your knitting moves it stretches right knit fabric is stretchy so if your button is an inch wide and you are working with you know small gauge here like lots of stitches fingering weight You don't necessarily want to make the hole an inch wide because your knitting is going to stretch. So like think of your button band as needing a little bit of negative ease. Right. Because you will pull it and it will open up. But you're still only making one hole, right? It's taking up one stitch's space. So maybe you need to, instead of one wrap for that eyelet, wrap it two times. You would still just decrease knit two stitches together you don't want to pull in like if there's four wraps you don't want to pull in four stitches into that decrease because you're going to create a pucker right in your fabric you still want the overall number of stitches in your button band to be the same number of stitches that you started so you're doing one decrease per one buttonhole because effectively that buttonhole is one stitch And once you knit your buttonhole row, you're going to need to continue knitting for, you know, a half an inch or an inch, whatever the pattern tells you to create the other half. 
oh. of that button band fabric. That's incredibly not complicated. Yeah, it's super easy. Excellent trick to keep up your sleeve. Okay, we're going to go on a little sidebar question, though, because mm-hmm. I went to a yarn shop with a friend a couple weeks ago, and she bought really cute buttons that were like a shape. Yeah. So let's say, for example, that you bought buttons that are shaped like a dinosaur, just to pick a random example. I love dinosaurs. Yeah, they're going to be great. But it's a one inch button because the dinosaur has a head and some legs. Uh huh. But the actual center of the button, like the body of the dinosaur is not an inch. The body of the dinosaur is little. Would you still treat it like a one inch button or would you have to make it smaller? So I would say generally you're going to err towards the one inch button framework, I think, because like I said, it's not sitting open at an inch like it will stretch to accommodate a one inch button so those stitches will like relax when they're not in the opened up spot and just kind of hang out where they are it stretches to accommodate a one inch button so it will stretch to accommodate little stumpy brontosaurus legs or (laughs) t-rex arms or whatever is happening okay cool because you don't want it to be an enormous hole that the dinosaur is falling through like a sinkhole or something (laughs) right no (laughs) no no tar pit or whatever. Yeah, no tar pit on your button band. You just want that dinosaur to be able to lay flat across the expanse of stitches so that it's not slipping through and it's keeping your sweater front closed. Okay, that's cool. And is kind of an aside to our conversation about eyelets, but I'm thinking about practical uses. Yeah. Yay, buttonholes. What about patterns that make good use of eyelets? There's the drift sweater. Oh, yes. We love the drift sweater. <laughs> Do you know that I have no idea who, who designed the drift sweater? I don't either. And I've knit it twice. It's a really good pattern. I've only knit it once, but I watched you knit it twice. So effectively, <laughs> I've been through three creations of this top, and I just can't keep the name in my head. So we'll find it and put it in the show notes. We will. I'm going to say our most embarrassing knit experience was with the drift sweater. And not because of the sweater. The sweater is great. That was the problem. Yeah, we went to work twinning one day, which, how does that even happen? We live in the same house, you'd think, you would think. You know what I think it was? I think I had to like teach a yoga class or something, and I had mine in my bag and not on my body when I left the house. Like, I think we didn't both drive to work together wearing the same outfit. (laughs) We did arrive at the store wearing the same sweater, and it was a very special day for us. It was a weird day. Because the media was at the store that day. Yeah, it was election season, and Mayor Pete was tooling around in Lebanon meeting people, and the actual mayor at the time of the city thought that it would be a cool place to take him. Right. Like, hey, Mayor Pete, let's go to the yarn shop. So he came with an entourage and camera crews, and Karen and I were like, oh, wow, hey. And there were (laughs) videos and pictures, a lot of pictures, and we're wearing literally the same sweater in the pictures. Yeah. It's on our Instagram somewhere. It's funny. It's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Anyways, super cute top. Very much to his credit, he didn't say a word about it. He wasn't like, do you two know you're wearing the same shirt? You know what? He's not a knitter. We use different color yarn. He couldn't tell. See, (laughs) people who aren't knitters have no idea what we're doing. That's right. Mm -hmm. But anyway, one of the things that's really so great about this sweater is that the shoulders and the sleeves and partway down the chest, but not problematically far down the chest, are all eyelets. We've talked about this before, I think, how if it's warm and you need to cool down, having your shoulders exposed really helps like disproportionately to like Mm -hmm. the 
number of square inches of skin. It is totally that sweater. It doesn't overheat you. It's a really great pattern. It is. It's a good one. But there are other patterns. There are patterns that we haven't both twinned in while meeting a presidential candidate. So tell us. Okay. I've got a whole list of things for you to look out for if you want to knit some eyelets. So the first thing is a shawl called April Springtide by Angela Tong. And I believe it was released in April of this year. Or, mm-hmm. or sometime in the springtime. Yeah, but I... <laughs> Yeah, April Springtide by Angela Tong, and it's a fingering weight shawl. It's triangle shawl shaped, so it's got sections of garter stitch and sections of eyelet panels. So you're kind of like alternating what you do, but none of it is like super brain-focused heavy knitting. You could watch a mediocre scary movie while you knit or, you know, hang out and chat with friends or whatever you're doing and like you're not going to get lost and overwhelmed. It's accessible, friendly lace. We'll link all of these patterns in the show notes also. So you don't have to like remember the names. The links will just be there. Another shawl that I really like is called Celia and the Moon. And it's by Lavanya Patricella. And it's a crescent shawl. And it's got two sections, basically. Like from the garter tab center of like the top of the shawl, it's a section of brioche tuck stitch that kind of runs at a diagonal. And then all the way across the bottom in like a big wide swath of this crescent shawl, like the big outside edge of of the moon, I guess, is all eyelet mesh. Oh, nice. So it's holes everywhere all over this thing, but different types of holes. So it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. There's the snowfall hat by Francois Denoy, Mm -hmm. which was one of our cast on club patterns a little while ago. God, I think in like 2019, maybe? Probably. Which is just like a, it's a beanie hat with eyelets that are sort of clustered to look like snowflakes. It's really neat. It's a neat technique. Mm-hmm. It's super sweet. There's also, here's where the decorative edging comes in, the Open Edge Tee by Jessie Made Designs. And this is kind of like a light, airy t-shirt that has a v-neck. And she says that the eyelets are used to create an airy touch, but the eyelets kind of frame the neckline. It's super sweet. And if you're interested, there's also a matching pair of shorts. <laughs> She's so great. Mm-hmm. Tiff Nealon has the Moonlink cowl, which has eyelet rows that provide interesting detail, but it's mainly just a garter stitch bandana cowl. So it's another one of those that you could you could do while distracted or chatting with friends or watching a movie or whatever. And then there's also the Mile Forward, which is a pattern that's for socks. And it's by Mara LeCole. And the eyelets create this like lacy design on cute little ankle shorties. And the pattern is constructed toe up for your socks, which is nice. So if you're really into this eyelet design, you could keep going and make them longer socks. Eyelet knee socks. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) And then like a million billion other patterns. There's so many patterns with eyelets out there. If you are a Ravelry user, in the advanced filter settings, there is a section for fabric construction, and eyelet is one of the little tick boxes. So if you want to look specifically for eyelet patterns, you can do some filtering and 
find exactly what you're looking for. Hey, Jessica, what's on your needles right now? Ooh, something fun. (laughs) So I thought hard about what I wanted to knit as we were getting ready to move into our summer knit-along because my spring knit-along is done. And I saw that our friend Shelly Can is hosting her own knit-along. It's the second annual Threadbare Craft-Along where people are knitting things out of naked yarn. So I know naked yarn came up recently. I think also crocheting and sewing, right? Like- yeah, yeah, that's why she calls it a craft along and not a knit along. It's the hashtag on Instagram is all one word, threadbare C-A-L. And that's where you'll be able to find everyone's projects. But basically you are using materials that are very close in color to your own skin tone. <laughs> and I happen to have found some yarn that we had in the shop that is pretty pasty pale like me. And I am <laughs> knitting a Rift tee by Jacqueline Seaslack out of that. So I nice. will have a fakey nakey summer weight top to wear. That'll be great. And you know what? That's going to be a good choice for fakey nakey yarn because the Rift tee is cropped. So you're probably going to have something under it. I'm going to guess yeah, a lot I'm of not, the time. I'm not usually a naked underneath crop top wearer. Right. I often so- layer. So it's like a way, if you're not totally into the idea of your skin tone hand knit that would maybe actually fake people out into thinking that you aren't wearing anything, that's like a good compromise on that. It's a wild project. I mean, we'll (laughs) see what happens. It might just change how I wear my knits. Who knows? I knit a Rift tee last, I want to say last year. I think so. I loved it. It was great. That was the one that I like knit myself a sports bra though, because I have a really long torso. Mm-hmm. I knit it like four inches longer than the pattern called for, and it was still like barely skimming the bottom of my rib cage. And I was like, this is... That's shocking. This is giving me some feelings about how I'm not that tall. I feel like I should be taller. Your legs are not that tall. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. What's on your needles, Karen? Oh my gosh, I have a new project. So I have decided that I need like a side piece project. So I cast on the Dingley Dell by Isabel Kramer. And I'm using the Mad Tosh TML and Tweed. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice. It's like a stripey. And I've already messed up the stripes. Like, like immediately, I I shouldn't say I messed up the stripes. That's very judgy. I creatively interpreted the size of the stripes as suggested by the pattern designer. So I'm on my own on how big the stripes are going to be. And I think it's going to be fun. That's fine. Yeah. I was just like, oh, wow, I was supposed to change colors like 15 rows ago. Oh, well. And then, you know, my Starry Night tea is is on a little hiatus until I have a little more focus, I think. That's okay. That's your, I don't know, that's your standby pattern. Yeah. It's there when you need it. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Karen. Are you ready? Oh, no. <laughs> For a letter. Uh, maybe. Yes. You're getting a letter. I'm slow this morning. We'll see how it goes. This letter comes from Marissa. Hey, Marissa. On a recent visit to my LYS, I checked out an interchangeable set of Addy needles. I really like them and was ready to purchase them until I looked them up on Amazon and realized they were available for $110 instead of $180. I asked her to match the price, and she told me no. Who is in the right in this situation? Big yikes. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh, Marissa, I don't think you're going to like my answer, but I'm going to answer you honestly. Your LYS owner cannot charge you $110 for an interchangeable set of Addy needles. If she did that, it would be like she was giving them to you. So I know we have talked in past episodes about shopping for needles on Amazon, and I am not saying to you that the Addies that you saw on Amazon are not correct, proper Addies. This is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that things that are sold on Amazon are sold at prices that independent small businesses cannot match and cannot compete with if you would like them to continue existing. So I think that the yarn shop owner was correct in telling you, no, if she couldn't match that price for you, she just couldn't do it. From there, I guess the ball's kind of in your court. If the dollar amount for these needles is the most important thing in your decision when purchasing them, like you cannot afford a $180 pair of needles, but you can afford a $110 set of needles, then maybe the best choice for you is to purchase them from Amazon. If you can comfortably afford $180, though, and you want to support your local yarn shop, then you should purchase them from her and not ask her to run her business as if it were Amazon. Right. Amazon and Walmart does this too. They narrow their margins so much and then they have to make it up with volume. Mm -hmm. But they're making up with volume in a way that a place with one location could never match. Maybe one employee. like Right, right. You know, they're going to sell seven sets of those needles before they make the same amount that your shop owner is going to make. That works for them because they're going to sell, you know, 800 sets of those needles over the next three months. She might only have four sets in the store and she has overhead. In addition to that, the price that companies like Amazon, if they're fulfilling it, or Walmart or whoever is paying for those goods to be able to sell them to you is not what little tiny family-owned businesses are paying. Tiny house on the corner yarn shop doesn't have the purchasing power to drive down the prices on those end, so they can't charge you $110. Like, she just couldn't do it. From the consumer's side, you are also getting additional stuff when you buy from a local shop because there is no warranty on them when they come through Amazon. Mm -hmm. Amazon might replace them for you, but if they're faulty or something, like on a large scale, you're kind of just going to keep getting messed up needles. You know, at some point, that's going to be really frustrating for you. Whereas if you go through the shop and there's a problem, the shop can go back to Addy. We actually don't stock Addy, so I don't, I don't know specifically what the process is for Addy. Like, please don't quote me on the process. But they can go back to Addy and be like, hey, all of the needles you sent me, the screw join doesn't work or whatever. And then there is that sort of level of warranty and sort of customer service and longevity of relationship that doesn't exist if it's just coming to you in a box. Right. And there's also the having a physical yarn shop near you component of this. Right. Like I said, whatever your personal financial situation is, budget dependent, but when you can support them, it's good to because do you have a good time shopping for yarn on Amazon? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe that's your preferred place. But if your preference is to be in that yarn shop owner's physical space and you want to be able to touch the yarn and have them show you samples of new patterns or whatever other things you get out of having that experience, 
making choices to support that business, whether it's buying the Addies there or telling your friends who knit that you had such a great customer service experience there or whatever it is, like that's valuable to your fiber community as a whole by keeping that resource there and supporting it. I do also want to say it is not your responsibility as the consumer to keep every small business in your community afloat. I feel like we've been kind of, especially in this last year, like during COVID, that messaging has been really strong. And that's just not financially accessible for everybody. And you don't have to feel guilt about that. Like Jessica was saying, if the difference between you having these needles and not having these needles is the difference in price, then buy them from Amazon. You know, like don't Mm -hmm. don't deprive yourself of nice things. If you can get it in a more affordable way, like in a way that makes sense for you. Yeah, I guess that's what I have to say about that. I hope you get your Addies somewhere. Yes. And that you are happily clicking away with them, working on whatever you're knitting, maybe something with eyelets. Are we going to do a summer knit along? We sure are. Cool. Do you want me to tell you about it? Yeah, tell me about it. I'm going to tell you about it. Guess what? (laughs) That was so creepy. That was the creepiest way to tell somebody something ever. (laughs) I'm going to be extra creepy. It's summer knit along time. And we found that so many of you enjoyed having choices in what you were specifically going to knit in the spring knit along. We decided that for the summer net along, we are going to cast the net a little bit wider. We are doing our summer knit along out of Jessie May's pattern collection. It's the Jessie Made along. Mm-hmm. So starting in July, we're going to knit through July and the month of August. You are going to knit some Jessie May designs. You might want to knit the open edge tee that we talked about just a few minutes ago. Or you might decide to knit some ripple butt shorts because you started knitting butt shorts and now you're an addict. She has like (laughs) six different shorts patterns. And I think once you all try it, you're going to be converts. You could knit a sew summer top or any of her amazing designs, but her stuff is light and breezy. There are a lot of patterns that are warm weather friendly or make excellent lounge wear. And we invite you to come on this journey with us. We're going to cast on on Instagram Live on Friday, July 2nd. Uh, I don't know what time yet. We'll figure out what time. We'll let you know. The hashtag for this knit along is make good made along, M-A-E-D, like her Ravelry Instagram handle. And we really hope you'll join us. Yeah. You don't have to remember that. We will put it in the show notes. And also we will do Instagram posts about it that will have the hashtags that you need. Of course, we'll be doing a prize, a randomly selected prize at the end of the knit along. So you'll want to make sure that you are taking pictures of your amazing knits and tagging us so that we can see them and that you maybe potentially can win. Speaking of pictures, can we do kind of a belated corrections corner? Yes. (laughs) I think in the last episode, we talked when we were talking about fiber festivals. I mentioned something about a bunny and a turtle snuggling, and it was actually a bunny and a pig. And we posted the picture to the Make Good Instagram because it was so cute. And we were corrected by someone who was actually there with us. Right. And was like, did you two have a mass delusion? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Anyway, it wasn't a turtle. Oh, those cuddly turtles. (laughs) Listen. They're sweet. I mean, they they probably do like to cuddle. They can't help that their shells are hard. (laughs) 
I think that's it for us this week. You can like and subscribe and all that good stuff on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Send us your emails, dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. If you want to see what we're up to, follow us on Instagram. We're at makegoodpod. And start thinking about your amazing Jesse made along yarn choices because you've got a couple of weeks to pick your pattern and get yarn ready for it. Yeah, if you want help picking your pattern or picking your yarn, you can make a virtual shopping appointment or, you know, come into the store if you're local. You have to make an appointment for that too through the month of June. But like Jessica would be really happy to help you pick yarn. She's really good at helping you pick yarn. I'm wicked excited to talk to you about butt shorts. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.